Hello and welcome to episode 142 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, MLS Finals MVP by MLS Finals MVP. Folks, we have we have such an illustrious guest on today's show. We are blessed by the presence of none other than the J-Mac Daddy himself, number 77, John McCarthy, your MLS Finals MVP, joining Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast as our guest this week. I am elated. I cannot wait to get into conversation with him and hear all about the PK shootout and everything that's transpired since we hoisted our first ever MLS Cup. But we'll get to all that in a second. First, folks, my name is Jonathan Reimer, and joining me this evening, none other than Christopher Sines and Christian Aparicio. Gentlemen, good evening and welcome. You know, I love when Jonathan gives these introductions of all of our guests. You know, it seems like every single one of our guests is an illustrious guest, bro. And that's not to say that McCarthy isn't an illustrious guest. I just, uh, that that is the very popular coined phrase. And I, I think that we need to uh, trademark it. It's sure. not inaccurate. I think he's comparing them to us. And that's well, always the case. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really wants to hear from us. But no, I'm excited. Thank you very much to John's wife, Jackie, for hooking this up. Really appreciate just a little bit of luck on our end and responses on hers, dude. It it worked out in the fashion. So thank you very much to her. It's going to be a lot of fun talking to John. And of course, we got to talk about, you know, the Conca. Conca Champions League. We're back, baby. The feelings from that game and the amount of times I've rewatched all kinds of posts and videos have not gone down. Like whenever I have any downtime or feel like I need a reminder, I'm so glad phones exist and media posts exist and, you know, shout out to the media team and all the perspectives they've given us and all the crowdsourcing that they've done to make it easy for us to consume. Because my memory, yes, I can remember it and I remember those feelings vividly, but having those angles from everywhere on the field, field side, is just an awesome way to, to just remind ourselves of what we've done and also a way to, you know, have that occasional text or post back to other people that didn't think we could do anything. Can we talk briefly about the sounds of the game, the YouTube video? Like that was amazing. That was such a amazing 30 minute video. If you guys haven't seen it, go on YouTube. The sounds of the game was amazing. By far, such a good watch. It takes you all the way back to that that match on the fifth. Never forget it. What up, Dubs? What up? What up? Well, a, a, a surprise guest here on Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Folks, no, it is not John McCarthy joining us just yet. It is none other than legendary sound engineer, Wilton Perez. Congratulations Woo-hoo. on getting hitched. I know we're going to be there, bells and whistles on for the ceremony next week, but the ring is on. The papers are signed. How does it feel, my friend? It feels good. It feels good to be with you guys. It feels good to be married. Finally, it's over, but now I'm ready to celebrate with the family. Yes, for those absolutely. that are listening, I think you flashed a ring. And did that ring, <laughs> was it black and gold? Did I see that correctly? It's black and rose gold. Oh, but okay. I'll definitely get a black and gold one soon. Rose hey. gold, still gold? Yeah, it's gold. Hey. It's gold. You don't have to change it. Counts, counts in my book. <laughs> We're glad that you're here, bro. You want to jump in on this conversation? Get down with the Conca Champions League preview? Let's do it. You got your plane tickets booked, bro? You going to Costa Rica? Did you sell your wife on a uh, honeymoon in March? You know what? It's crazy that before even announcing the CONCACAF champions for our honeymoon, we wanted to go to Costa Rica. So, pre- so you're so you're planning this like, like this is how I plan my trips. Right. And Sandy hates it. Right. Anytime we go anywhere, I go, OK, 
Where are the Dodgers? Where's LAFC? Where's Notre Dame? Where are they in the world? Do I want to go to that place? Right? So please tell me that you're going in March. You, you postponed your honeymoon until March. <laughs> Unfortunately, we had our tickets to go to Cancun. So we'll be celebrating our honeymoon in Cancun. But we'll see. I for sure have my passport ready. So anything could happen. You're going to go knock on the door of Carlos Vela's family while you're there in Cancun? There you go. Well, congratulations once again, Dubs. Uh, we are really looking forward to the ceremony next week. I hope you're ready to have a healthy pour of some D9U tequila I'll be bringing with me to help celebrate, brother. Yes, sir. I'm ready. Speaking of ready, and now that we have my illustrious co-hosts all primed and ready to go, why don't we go ahead and dive into some Conca Champions League? So, folks, LAFC are going to be playing two-time CCL champion Costa Rica's Alajuense in the round of 16. Leg one is going to take place sometime around the 3-7 mark. And then leg two will take place here in Los Angeles, somewhere between 314 back here at home. Really looking forward to that happening in March. Away days, Costa Rica style, 3252 down in Costa Rica, baby. It's going to be a great time. A little backup on Alajuense here. So they play in the Primera División of Costa Rica, formerly known as the Fútbol de Primera División or Liga Promérica. They are the top professional football association and football division in Costa Rica. They have 12 teams from top to bottom, bottom team getting relegated every season. So the team we're facing, Liga Deportiva Alajuense, also known as La Liga or Los Leones, they play in Alajuela City, which is in the Alajuela province, basically smack dab right in the middle of Costa Rica, right next to the largest international airport, something we are all looking to take part in. 30 titles they have won. Their main rival, of course, being Saprissa, and their other rival, Erdiano, has 29 victories, Saprissa 37, so their 30 league titles would put them second in history for their league. They have never once ever been relegated in a 12-team league since 1921. They have been in the premier division of Costa Rica for 100 years. Guys, before I dive into the rest of some of these stats, what is your initial impression about Alajuense? Is this a team that you're too familiar with, Christian? I'm kind of looking at you here, since you know a little bit more about that Central American football than the rest of us do. But what are your thoughts on the Costa Rica away day and drawing Alajuense? Yeah, no, they're always a tough game. I feel like they know how to play cup games, just like Costa Rica does in the qualifiers. And them and Saprissa always make it very difficult. And both of them, I think, have had a chance to win Champions League Cup or now Champions League I'm not sure if in the new iteration, but it, it's always been difficult to get a result there. And then they do a good job of grinding out results when they come to your stadium. So it's not going to be an easy rival. I think Costa Ricans are also very strong, physical, and can be fast. But if not, they're very resolute in their defense. So it's going to be a tough nut to crack for us to go down there on the field. But in terms of the atmosphere that we're going to bring, I don't think they know what's coming. So very close family friends of mine, the Sandoval's, the wife. Andrea is born in Costa Rica. So she's from Costa Rica. And so she was talking, you know, I, I had slowly introduced him to the black and gold. And, and uh, you know, when I explained to them about the CCL and I was like, oh yeah, there's a chance that LAFC could play a Costa Rican team or a Mexican team. She's like, oh, she got excited. And I was like, don't get too excited. I was like, there's, you know, there's 16 teams and it's, it, uh, there are 16 matches. And I was like, the chances that they're going to play Costa Rica in the first round, it's probably not going to happen. And then on top of that, if for them to play it in the second round, like, I don't know if Costa Rica is going to get out of the first round. 
And then sure enough, it happens. And so she was excited, like literally the day that the draw happened, I sent her a screenshot of the bracket. I sent it to her and she's, and like, by the end of the evening, she was like, I already got my plane ticket. She's going to Costa Rica. So she was like super elated, super ecstatic. And she was saying that she was like on the social media and that all the Alohuense fans were like, oh, that's it. We're done. We're out. It's over for us. You know, they've already been thrown in the towels. It's good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, for anybody that has not been to Costa Rica going midweek, you know, and and then having to come right back the following week for the second leg is not going to be uh, super easy to get to and from. But, you know, for people that have gone to Costa Rica and seen it, and it's not like they're going for any kind of touristy attractions, they're literally flying in for the match. I know that Lenny, Lonzi is he's got his ticket. That guy was super excited to go. So it should be a lot of fun, especially for those of us that are really looking to make away days the best days. I sadly am not going to be able to make the trip to Costa Rica. I know you all feel so bad for me because I have broadcasting gigs the day before and the day after the game. So woe is me. I will be at Toyota Arena rooting on the Empire Strikers from the broadcast booth with my homie Philly. But uh little bummed. I can't make it down for the game, but I will certainly be catching it. Looks like I'll be off that day. I just don't think it's in the cards to fly out the morning of watch the game and then fly back that night and still have anything in me to do a broadcast the day before or the day after. But uh, I will be rooting on the black and gold probably from a watch party out in the IE Empire Boys. You know, IESGs, I'm looking at you for an invite, hopefully to join one of their watch parties out there. But it's going to be pretty fun. For those of you heading down, you're going to be playing in a pretty hollowed ground. None other than Estadio Alejandro Morera Soto. This stadium was built in 1940, but they've actually been using the pitch at this stadium since 1938. It is known as La Catedral de Football, the Cathedral of Football. Small capacity, only 17,895. In 2009, it got upgraded to a new form of synthetic turf, so it is a turf game. Uh, The turf has a two-star certification for international matches. There have been lots of international matches played there. So it is fancy turf, but it's still turf nonetheless. I think something we're all a little disappointed in. The stadium was named after Alejandro Morera Soto, who won the first championship for their team ever in 1928. He played for the team three different times from 1925 to 27. Get this, 47 games, he scored 39 goals. He came back from 1928 to 1932 and in 144 games scored 136 goals. He finished out his career there from 1936 to 1947. And at the end of his career, in those 364 games, he only scored another 312 goals. Insane. We're talking about a player who played for Barcelona from 1933 to 1935, scoring 63 times in 76 appearances for Barcelona. He's twice represented the Costa Rican national team where he got six goals in seven games. Dude was an absolute legend. And that stadium still bears his name to this day. But it's a small stadium and it's an old stadium, but it is a very historic one nonetheless that everyone's going to be heading down to. So really looking forward to this match. Away days are the best days in Costa Rican style. I have a feeling just like the 3252 is known to do. We are going to party it up while we're down there. They better be stocking up on the beer now, because if it's anything like Leon, we darn near drank that town dry. So hopefully, Costa Rica, y'all ready for us, because we coming. Boys, any thoughts on our CCL draw before we gear up for our interview with none other than the Mac Daddy himself? 
you know, just to give a brief overview of all the teams that are in in this round and the the potential. I'm not sure how set this bracket is, but when you look at the potential bracket for the path to the finals, if the bracket were to stay in the current format that it's in, the winner of Vancouver and Real España, which Real España is from Honduras, Honduras yeah. plays against LAFC versus Alajuelense. And then in the other side of that is Olympia versus Atlas, which Olympia is also from Honduras, and then Alianza versus Philadelphia Union, right? So... I mean, when you're looking at these potential matchups, those are the teams that we potentially would have to go through if the bracket were to stay the same to get to the finals. So, so you're Real, saying there's a CCL rematch with the Union coming up, potentially? Potentially. I mean, it would be between, right, if you're looking at Olympia and Atlas, you would expect Atlas to win. If you're looking at Alianza and Philadelphia, you're looking at Philadelphia to potentially win. So if Philadelphia Let's go San Salvador. Be, Let's beat the Union. Even if Alianza were to win, you'd still expect Atlas to win, right? So it would either be Atlas or Philadelphia. And then, you know, Vancouver is probably who we would be facing in the next round. And then in the other side of the bracket, Montague, which is, again, from Honduras, Pachuca, Orlando City, Tigres, León, Tauro, Austin FC, and Violete. So those are those are the teams for if we're looking for more away days outside of the United States, right? Vancouver, Atlas, which uh, is that in Monterrey? Guadalajara. Uh, the other team in is Chivas and, and Atlas in the same city. Oh, I know one of these is in, is it Tigres? One of them is in Monterrey. Tigres and Monterrey are in Monterrey. Right. And then Pachuca and then León. So it's like León, Pachuca, Tigres, those are all on the other side of the bracket. So if we're if you're thinking of saving up for the Mexico away day, you might have to wait for the finals unless it's the uh, match against Atlas. Either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's nice to be on this side of the bracket, though. Last time we were in CCL, we had to go all the way through every Mexican side, it seemed like, to get to the finals. Being on this side of the bracket, we, we have the opportunity to play teams from Honduras, Costa Rica, Canada, and El Salvador, right? So it's it, it's definitely a little bit more variety than the last time we were in. Hey, look, in a more difficult bracket, we were 72 minutes into a championship game with the lead and almost took our first CCL. Christian, what, what do you think LAFC's odds are against this current table? You have to say we look like favorites on our side of the bracket. You know, no disrespect to the Union or Atlas or any of those other teams, but you have to think LAFC is in, in the catbird seat looking at our side of the bracket. Yeah, I think we're in a collision course for the semifinal to be the Union. I think and I like our odds still, uh, even though they're a good club. And then on the other side, it, Pachuca it was a juggernaut this year at Liga Emekis. So I think if we get through the Union, that's the kind of chalk final or the one versus one on each side of the bracket. So and even then, I think it's a little bit of a toss up if we you know have a home and away kind of situation i don't think we're going to do that one neutral venue that i don't know so you know if someone correct me or someone at us in the comments because I, i'm not sure if the final is going to be home in a way like it used to yeah, be because it, so, it is okay so yeah this the schedule's already out for all of it right so cool. the quarterfinals are in april the first two weeks of april the semifinals are the last week of april and the first week of may those are the home and the away leg and then the final is may 31st for the first leg and june 4th for the second leg yeah so pachuca pachuca is a runaway favorite on that side of the bracket for sure so i'm sad but not really sad for the austin fans and any other MLS fans on that side and I feel bad for all the other teams but I do think I agree with the Alajuense fans that they should be scared and they should feel like they're not going to do well because if we keep the majority of our roster the way it is 
we should have no problem in getting a result out there and then kind of ending them uh, at, at home. Well, something that has kind of slipped under the radar with all of our championship talk and CCL talk is I think people have forgot we're also in the Campeones Cup as well, too, which means we are 100% for sure playing Pachuca because I believe they are first round in the Campeones Cup. So there's going to be potentially an away day already on, on the books to head down to Pachuca. That's going to be that's going to be a tough match there in the Campeones Cup, something that I think has flown completely under the radar yeah. with everybody talking about heading down to Costa Rica. Well, haven't didn't they revamp the Campeones Cup to where it's not? Oh, no, it's the League's Cup that was revamped. Revamped, right? yeah. So the uh, League's Cup is another international competition that's supposed to be happening in 2023. Yeah. So, But I think that's all happening north of the border. I don't think any of that's happening south of the border. Yeah, there's mm. there's a potential for another cup. And this this is, I think, I think after the World Cup, it'll come up. I think the U.S. has a bid to host the Club World Cup next year. And whenever that has happened in other nations, the domestic winner of the league participates. If that's, you know, holds true and the U.S. gets the bid, Despite, you know, not winning the Champions League, the Conca Champions, we might have an appearance because of the result that we got this year. So, man, could you imagine LAFC versus a PSG or a Bayern Munich or something like that? Oh, that's going to be wild. So, you know, a lot of a lot of cups on the table next year. Um, and I think for the Campeones Cup, at least in the, the last couple of years, it's been held here in the States. So I don't know if it's a home and away. It's just been one match because New York City FC hosted Atlas and beat them. Yeah. So. When you're actually the MLS has won the last three Campeones Cup dating back to 2018, Toronto in the first year of it lost to Tigres, and that was and all of these matches were hosted by the MLS Cup side that that was in the match. So Toronto hosted Atlanta hosted against America and won in 2019. 2020 was a a wash, but it was supposed to be Seattle at CenturyLink, and then Columbus hosted against Cruz Azul, and NYCFC hosted and beat Atlas. And then we're going to host the match here in Los Angeles. Uh, and it actually says to be determined against our opponent. So it may not be necessarily Pachuca. I don't know. I don't know how the team qualifies. Yeah, I think it's it's different. Even though Pachuca the most recent, I think they do tabulate the, the most points and also take into account the Apertura and Clausura champions. So I think Atlas was definitely the winner because they had the two most recent championships for that Campeones Cup. So nerd stuff. It's all in my brain, by the way. I haven't looked at any of this up. I know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that we're going to follow up a season in which we won the double with a chance to win a Supporters Shield, an MLS Cup, a U.S. Open Cup, Campeones Cup, a CONCACAF Champions League Cup. We could also be in the Club World Cup and we could also be playing in the League's Cup. So we have a chance to do the seven. What is that? The the centuple? Septuple, yeah. uh, follow up a double with a septuple. That would certainly be unprecedented. Uh, how many of those cups do you actually think we could have enough players to field a squad and compete in? That seems like a lot of matches. I mean, let's sit here and seriously prioritize, right? Like, what is the cup that means the most to you as an individual? Like, for me, I think that the winning the MLS Cup is the most important one to have again. That should be a number one on top. You know, CONCA Champions League trophy, like that. that's cool. And that puts you in the Club World Cup potential. But I mean, when you look at Seattle and how they won it, and then it was like, in the moment that they won it, there was the recognition and everybody was like, wow, that's awesome. But since they were not able to make the playoffs, it was kind of like a blip. And, you know, I think that, for relevance here within the league, even though what Seattle did was an amazing accomplishment, you know, I, I still think that 
an MLS Cup is is more of a desirable accomplishment, especially going back to back, which hasn't happened in like 10 seasons or longer. So it, I think that having that MLS Cup again is it should be our first priority over a Conca Champions League or the or the Campeones Cup or the League's Cup. Right. That's my opinion. Absolutely. Number one MLS Cup. I'm addicted to those stars. We got one. I, I just want to see so many stars, so many stars above that crest. I want to win the race to Sace. I definitely want to be the first club to win six. And to win six, you got to win number two. So MLS Cup, hands down, number one. I think, yeah, Conca Champions has to be number two. Unless, as Christian says, we, we sneak into a Club World Cup, you know, being the home nation's team. Uh, and then Club World Cup, to me, might kind of, yeah, definitely be above a CCL. To be able to win a Club World Cup, uh, that would take quite quite a doing in order to make that happen but all the rest of those things campeones probably down towards the bottom for me i think u.s cup ranks higher than those in my mind than a campeones cup which seems kind of like a money grab cup if you ask me honestly same thing with you know the league's cup that's you know more of a showcase than it really is, you know, a competition that I care a whole lot about. But I would have to agree with you, Kiss. Uh, MLS Cup one. Uh, Christian, Wilton, your thoughts? I agree with your take. I think that's the order I would go with. Same here. I think MLS Cup is important. We got the victory and we want more. So I agree with the MLS Cup. I do want to say, though, that, you know, the League's Cup, though, it, it is supposed to be more than just the money grab. I think that they're trying to make it more of like that international competition and things like that. So, you know, even though right now we may be looking at the League's Cup as like irrelevant competition, I think that eventually it could lead into being something bigger where it, it looks to be, it holds a little bit more of, of that weight. Yeah, I guess this year it was the League's Cup showcase. Next year it'll actually be a League's Cup. So to win the first one ever would would be something. I think the Campeones Cup was the one that I was calling a cash grab. But uh, look, I'd still love to win it. I'll, I'll take the cash cup all day. Guys, any final thoughts on uh, next season's cup competitions before we get into our interview with J-Mac? Nothing else to say. I just want to talk to Jay. Bro, it's, it's, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. We are going to take take us into break so that we can get on with this. Folks, we will be right back after this short break with LAFC goalkeeper John McCarthy. Hey, it's Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. And listen, I am an LAFC super fan. So I always make sure I download and listen to Shoulder to Shoulder podcasts. They keep me updated. But more importantly, I get to listen to these dudes' opinions about the team I love the most. Keep doing your thing, guys. All right, folks, joining us now here on the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Number 77 between the pipes, but number one in your hearts. 2022 Supporters Shield champion. 2022 MLS Cup champion, your finals MVP, the daddy of the Mac Daddies. We are left in gold, most definitely none other than our very own John McCarthy. Welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. <laughs> what an intro, man. Appreciate that. That was, something, that was something else. Thank you, guys. Jonathan is never short for words when it comes to our introductions. This man is uh, able to put it down like nobody's business. But again, John McCarthy, appreciate you making time for us here on Shoulder to Shoulder. It's been a whirlwind for us here on the podcast and in the LAFC community, but we can only imagine what it has been like for you over the last week and a few days. It's got to be pretty amazing feeling. Yeah, it's been awesome, man. <laughs> it, there's no way to like put it into words. There's nothing like it's just been surreal. Like you said, it's a whirlwind. It's just been like whatever cloud nine you could picture as cloud, cloud nine. Like I, I just continuously said like, 
I feel like I'm above cloud nine. Like it's been crazy. I'm grateful for everything. It's it's a dream. Everything has happened the way it's happened. And it's just been awesome. I'm, I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. You know, and when you talk about just, you know, that attitude with the club and with, you know, the players, we know that here in the black and gold community, you and Max Kripo have had a really, really tight relationship. You guys have very close friends, almost like brothers for you to come in in the situation that it was, you know, it was a little bit, you know, a worrisome thing, but we know that since that moment, Max has had surgery, been out of a successful survey and is now in recovery. So how is he doing? How are his spirits? You know, we, we saw that you guys were both at some of the events over the weekend, the USC game, the Rams game, things like that. So it's great to see him out and about, but how is he doing? How are his spirits? I said as a form devastated for him because he, he deserves to be at that world cup. He, um, that's a dream that I think all players have. And for him to have to miss out on it like weeks before, it's it's heartbreaking for him. So, yeah, I saw him at end of your physicals and we broke down a little bit, me and him, for like a good like two minutes, man. It was it was just an emotional moment because it was like, I think I, I, it was just like tears of joy. And then it was also tears of like, dude, I'm so like so sorry. I said it multiple times because it's it's a dream to, to play in the World Cup and for that to be taken away from him. It's it's absolutely gut-wrenching. Um, but he's a... The, the, He's in great spirits now. It was a tough couple of days for him, for sure. He even said it. But he's already on PT track. He's he's up moving around as much as he can, like uh, to PT standards, you know. But like you said, he was out at a, events with us. We went to the USC game, went to the Clippers game, Rams game. Like it's really nice to have him around because he's such a good person, such a good guy. So I'm just happy he got to enjoy bits of it because he deserves it more than anybody. He got to see the trophy Friday morning, which was dope for, like, that was his first time seeing it, and he enjoyed it in the morning. He got a, a good, uh, the drinks he deserved to have with it. So it's really nice to have him upbeat and, 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 and coming out with us. As Jonathan mentioned in his introduction, and we all know it, congratulations again, but you are a Supporters Shield champion, an MLS champion, and maybe the unlikeliest of MLS Finals MVP from a minutes perspective, not from an impact perspective in terms of what you did <laughs> on the field. I mean, you you know, you put, at least for LAFC fans and soccer and football fans in the U.S., one of the most iconic goalkeeping performances in MLS. Uh, and professional sports. I'm sure you were on Sports Center's top ten and all that. And you, you've you've described a little bit in terms of soaking it in. But have you had a chance to reflect? How often are you watching these highlights? How do you feel? Like has that high come down yet? I don't think the high has come down yet. I think I've, I've tried to settle down a little bit. I've seen some clips. I've, I've tried to find um, it on YouTube. And like I haven't watched the game back yet. If I was on Sports Center, that was I haven't seen any clips of it or anything. No one has sent it to me. That would be pretty dope. But now I'm just really trying to soak it all in. I'm really just trying to enjoy the moment of like being able to go out and bring the trophy to other sports teams, other places with the guys, because it's just like, it's a it's a dream moment to lift a trophy. And it's just like, I don't think anyone could have written how it would have ended. Um, so it's just like, the, I keep saying it's laughable, but it's like laughable to think back on like how everything has happened and, and how it went. So it's just, it's laughable and like, just an enjoyment way. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy. We know how the story of John McCarthy's most recent chapter is written. The greatest goalkeeping performance in the history of the Los Angeles Football Club just took place before our eyes a week and a half ago. But we'd kind of like to go all the way back to the beginning, to chapter one, to find out how the story of John McCarthy starts with relation to this beautiful game so our first question we ask our guests is when did the beautiful game enter your life sir yeah i started playing soccer when i was like three four years old you know the like three v threes to the small goals and stuff like that on like the small town team up the street from me until he was 
the, t- the team was holy terrors and like it was just a bunch of neighborhood knuckleheads that like didn't know right from wrong like, we grew up playing together for like a couple of years you know and then everyone started going to like club teams and stuff like that so i started playing at the age of three and four and shortly after you started playing at that young age you know at what point did you start primarily playing goalkeeper and uh, tell us a little bit about your high school years and uh, playing at LaSalle University, which at LaSalle, you were there from 2010 to 2013, all-time leader in saves with 468, shutouts with 28, and uh, matches played in 75. So, you know, when did you start playing, primarily playing goalie? And tell us what it was like playing at LaSalle and being one of the all-time leaders for goalkeeper there. Yeah, I started playing goalkeeper on my, like, little neighborhood town team whatever you want to call it my buddies always make fun of me because this goalkeeper dude tom was in front of me his name is tom rambo and two of my good friends chris and kev were always like dude you'd be nothing without tom rambo because like one tournament and one of my coaches like does anybody else want to try like goalkeeper and my dad i went up to my dad after the game and i was like i'm gonna play goalkeeper and i just remember like ever since then i kind of tried to like stick it out at like eight eight or nine i really went for it still played the field from time to time you know like so young but that's when i was first introduced to it then i went on to play uh, high school ball at, at Northeast Catholic in Philly, in Northeast Philadelphia. And then at LaSalle, I played there, what was, what was it, 2010 to 2013, 2014? I, I graduated in the semester of 2013 in December. But yeah, it was just like, it's it was nice to be home in Philly and stuff like that. I could always have my parents around me, which was good. They came to as many games as possible. And I also knew like three, four guys going into my LaSalle year as well. We ended up having, I think, like 11 of us. We're like freshmen, so we had a great class and a pretty solid run of making like our conference tour interview and stuff like that. And so it was just a good group of guys. And I think it worked out well to, to go to a smaller school and, and play to try to prove myself. And the journey continued. I mean, you, you, ended, you ended in 2013, but in 2014, you, you go to the USL pro side, Rochester, New York. FC and you were you know briefly mentioning that before we went on hit the record button um and there you got the USL rookie of the year USL goalkeeper of the year USL all league first team after recording 10 clean sheets in 18 appearances so i think you kind of started off with the right foot with your USL pro can you you know kind of walk us from taking the jump from LaSalle to the yeah. Rochester team yeah so like out of college i just like was guessing sounds crazy i made a highlight tape and i was like guessing emails so like for like to try to get in touch with coaches and stuff like that, like like uh, let's say my email is like John McCarthy at LAFC.com. Like I was like, oh, snap, like why not just try to figure out everyone's coaches emails throughout MLS and just like S Trundolo at LAFC.com and just like email, you know, and that's what I was doing to like any name I could find for every club and just trying to get my name out there. I did a few USL teams and Bob Lilly got my email and my highlight tape reached out to me and, and invited me to like a weekend tryout in Rochester. And then I, I ended up like, he called me back, like I think before the week ended and just said, Hey, we'd love to, to sort something out and, and get you involved. And it was still early on. So I was hoping for an MLS opportunity, but Bob Lilly was the first guy to, uh, to take me in and, and, and give me a shot. So it was, it was awesome to play my first, my first year pro out of, out of college and, and kind of just run from there. So Rochester was great. Something I'll never take for granted. Shortly after Rochester, that MLS call-up happens. You get to play for your hometown team, the Philadelphia Union. More on them in a second. 
You make your debut versus NYCFC. The team goes on a pretty good run in the U.S. Open Cup. You make it all the way to runner-up. And then your career kind of heads back to USL from 16 to 18 with Bethlehem Steel. You make your way down to Tampa Bay and put in a year for the Rowdies. A fantastic season as well, too. Ten clean sheets in your 30 appearances. You were the third best in goals against. But in all those years, after having a taste of MLS, what was it like to go back to USL? And was the dream to make it back up? And was there ever a point in time in which your faith may have faltered a little bit that MLS was you know, going to happen or not going to happen? What was the feeling like during those years in USL? Yeah, when my time in Philly, I'll touch on my time in Philly a little bit. It was great to be there. Andre's a great goalkeeper. I think we can all acknowledge that, you know, he's been he's been great for years. Um, so I had a good conversation with Jimmy Curtin and Chris Albright at the time. And I just, I told him I would really like to try to move on to, to play. And the only opportunity that came up was an opportunity in Tampa. So I knew I had to go out and play to to try to prove that I could maybe and possibly be a starter one day in MLS. And I always, my all, my end all be all goal is to to one day just be a starter in MLS. And that, that's why I went to Tampa. And I, I never, I don't think I ever lost faith or the the vision of it. You know, I, I, I'm i a, a big believer in someone that you got to bet on yourself and you got to gamble on yourself every day. Don't listen to the, the naysayers, the haters. And, and I truly believe and, and will always put myself in any situation because I'm a big believer in myself and my work and my craft to try to really pursue my goals and, and my end all be all destination, you know? So I, I don't ever want to have doubts, you know, obviously there's ups and downs in everyone's careers and mistakes may, are made, but that's just, that's the life we live as being professional athletes. So f- the following year after being in Tampa Bay, you got the call up to not go too far in the state of Florida to enter Miami and during 2020 was the COVID year, MLS's back tournament, 2021. Those were the two seasons that you were there with Inter-Miami. You made 21 appearances, 20 starts, three clean sheets. Um, what was it like being back in the MLS? And what was it like playing for a club with an owner like David Beckham? Yeah, it was great, man. It was awesome. Miami was good. They gave me a shot. You know, that's like I was saying, it's something I've I worked towards and, and, and have aspirations of and they saw me uh, at Tampa, and we were in touch in the, in the postseason to um, to figure something out. I was grateful for that, and to to go into a a club that their facilities were are top notch, uh, and everything like that from the training staff to the coaches were were great people to to be a part of a brand new franchise or a club, you know, that is joining the league. It was huge. It was a huge stepping stone for me, and like you said, to to play twenty twenty one games, whatever it was, was a good feeling. You know, I wish the the games and the, and the team were all around it could have went went better for everyone i think um but it was it was nice to to be part of that organization and and, and grow in my in my career and develop the can, the oh and then i didn't i didn't mention uh david beckham was pretty pretty dope too um he's, he's a really genuine person and he was at a, a lot of the games obviously the covid limitations of traveling and stuff like that but he truly uh is like full go in the team he was around a lot my more so my second year with coming out to trainings and sits next to the bench during the game and really cares and has passion for it. Did he ever shoot on you? Did he ever shoot on me? I don't know if he ever, he might've maybe hit like a couple free kicks or something, but nothing crazy. He did hop in our training sessions a couple of times. So he probably did have a shot or two on me. He'd run his neutral a couple of times. Uh, one of the dudes that was actually, <laughs> it's funny, was like busting on, bust on me because I was like, uh, yelled at him the one time for not hitting like, he like missed a pass and he was like, I like was laying into him. But like, it was just like a funny situation that me was yelling at David Beckham and he was also my Boston owner of the club. So <laughs> it's pretty surreal. <laughs> you take that between the lights comment very seriously. 
Yeah, man. If I'm here to play. I, like, if, if you're playing, you're playing. I'm not going to – I don't judge who you are. And you show up and you give everything. That's that's all I can ask for you. So I just have the passion for it and the drive to compete. So at the conclusion of 2021, there's an opportunity with LAFC. We make moves to bring two keepers, right? Yourself and Maxime Prepo. But when you got that call, what were your first impressions before you arrived? And then can you talk about when you did arrive? Was it better or worse than you uh, imagined? No, so when... I pictured LAFC as like a very like proper club, you know, very high, like well, well taken care of, well established club. Because since they come into the league, besides last year, they were, you guys were top of the table and for what four years straight, the three years straight before that, you know. So like coming to the league and have such dominance with like a supporter shield, a great Champions League run, stuff like that, like that goes a long way. That's that's hard to do. A lot of clubs take a maybe one good year out of those years to, to get established. So I, I thought it was a good club just from some from what I've seen and from what I've heard. And then we've came out here and trained a few times before games and stuff like that. So I got to see the facility from the outside, which is extremely nice as well. It's it's one of the best around. And then when I got the call to come out here, it was a it was great because the off season was extremely stressful. It didn't have much as in like rumors or very like nothing came up my way until preseason started. I had one other club that had uh, had some interest. And then Boca Nikolov, the goalkeeper coach, was a huge pull for me to come in. So that was like an amazing phone call to receive from Oka, Steve. And, and then John followed up with it to, to to figure something out to get me here. So I was, I'm, I'm grateful for it because, like I said, the offseason last year was really, really tough. So you show up to Los Angeles. Next thing you know, you're here, Hollywood. You've got all these world-class <laughs> players around you. You know, the lifestyle's probably a little different here in Los Angeles. You show up to the bank. You have this black and gold army of the 3252 screaming and yelling behind you guys every single game. You know, what was that transition like and how different was that from other places throughout your career? Yeah, I guess when I first came here, I didn't realize how loud the 3252 was. You know, like you don't really – you try to take the least amount of interest as possible to like – away fans you know because they're just like yelling and screaming at you and they're trying to throw you off your game so it's i tried to turn them into like i never had the chance to play against them but sit on the bench i think i came here once with philly and then i came here once with miami so to turn it around and actually have them in your corner and on your side they are loud as can be crazy loud they even show up to training sessions sometimes like a hundred of them 50 of them you know couple times a year but the fan base is like truly top cheering 90 minutes i'll never forget the the sounds of the final man like it was like echoing because it wasn't just a three two five two the whole bottom row of this in the stadium was standing up and cheering for 90 plus minutes like it was crazy so the fan base is insane and so happy to be supported by such a an amazing supporter group do you have a favorite chant or a favorite moment with the 3252 i think my favorite like chant and moment would be my little nephew came out to uh my my nephew Alan, my sister's kid came out to a game. It was actually against the Union in the season when we tied two two. They flew out, they booked like a little week trip, and he was two or just under right around two. And there's video of him of him literally loving the ooh ha, and it was like priceless because he was like jet lagged and we were so nervous if he would stay awake. And so for me, I think that's the coolest moment. Everyone in the stadium is doing it, and then it just like ramps up from there. So I think that's it's a very unique chant. Nobody else does that one in the league. There's a lot of generic ones that like a lot of clubs do, but three two five two does a great job with having 
like very unique, unique chance for for the club. So a couple unique things about you. When uh Giorgio Chiellini arrived, you were first <laughs> you were first you were uh one of the ones to spray the water on his nice suit. Uh, I don't you know, think and then... there's no proof. There's no proof. <laughs> uh, I think we can I think we can go back and see some video footage. But uh, you know, talk to us about some things that make that are unique to you. Why do you wear number 77? And you know, what is it like interacting with these players and doing the shalala and dumping the water and just having those relationships with these players that just come to the club and it's almost like a welcoming experience like a rite of passage you know yeah yeah I don't want to I enjoy my time off the field you know like like we said before like Kristen said before like when I'm on the field I'm all business I'm I'm, I'm plugged in I'm focused I'm, I'm I'm locked in to play and win you know um, I give it my all off the field I like to joke like anybody else and enjoy life and just really like we're a group of guys, you know, like everyone knows what that's like and just a group of people hanging out. So you try to welcome everybody and let them know that this is just a good group of guys that are in it together. So that was just a funny moment of like, it seems like it has become a tradition now that if you come to the team, everyone's just going to dump wood on you, you know, which is, which is great. Um, So I'm happy I, I guess I kind of you can get you can call it some type of LAFC baptism. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Giorgio's great man. He's he's a good dude, really good person, great pro. So guys like that, you just try to enjoy it because I'm sure each and every one of you have watched him throughout his career and just seen that he's done it all. So to have him on your side and our side now, it's something I, I don't take for granted. But I just try to welcome in and joke with him like anybody else. I actually call him Biz Nono. It means great grandfather. <laughs> So did you get a, a dry cleaning bill for that one? I offered. I genuinely, I actually offered just because like it is what it is. You know, I, I, w- I would have no problem taking the, the suit, get it cleaned up. Like it's, that was, that was my, uh, not the smartest moment for me, but Georgia is a good dude, man. He, I'm not going to say, I think he can, a dry cleaning bill isn't going to, isn't going to bother him too much, but uh, uh, he, I offered, I, I offered the one day walking through the, uh, through the facility. I was like, Hey, no, no. Like you want your suit clean? And he was like, no, Johnny, no, no, no worries. My friend, no worries. So he's, he's we're, we're cool. We're cool. I got, yeah, I'm sure he'll get me back somehow. <laughs> so we're finally talking about this season, right? And this season before the historic match at the end of the season, you had two appearances. And the most recent one was at SoFi. And that was against Club America for the League's Cup Showcase. And that game, at least in my opinion, my humble opinion, you had a really good game. You had uh, the you. opportunity to see some penalty kicks from Club America. I think you 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 guessed right in a lot of them. You just I think um, wasn't your day in terms of saving them. So you know, enter the tragedy that was Max, where he you know yeah. was very very courageous and and you know sticking his foot out on the line and and saving that third goal. And you come in in the 117th minute for your third appearance of the season. What's going through your mind at that moment? And then I think this isn't to get talked about enough, but you had a ridiculous save, even though there was a third goal. I think our our defense didn't do you justice. I mean, I wouldn't change anything because of the outcome, but that- <laughs> Me too, me too. <laughs> but, but from where that ball was first struck, the person in front of you and the, the reaction save you had to make before Elliot got a touch on it was kind of insane, to be honest with you. Yeah, so I actually leaned up to my goalkeeper coach, Oka, Right at the start of second overtime, and like I said, I, I I leaned up to him and I was like, "Hey, I'm being serious. Like, am I going in?" And he's like, uh, "How long do you need to warm up?" And I was like, "I don't know, like a couple couple minutes, seven eight minutes." And he's like, seven, eight minutes is fine. I'll let you know at the eighth minute." I was like, "Yeah, please," because I gotta go take a piss. And three minutes later, 
everything just went sadly and like terrible for Maxi. And it just turned out to be that I just had to warm up, throw my gloves on. I stole Kellen across the shin guards because I didn't have mine out there. And and I just went from there. Um, yeah, I was just looking for shin guards. You know, I don't, I, I, at that point, I didn't care. You know, I don't really care about shin guards that much anyways. But uh, my goal coach was just like, yeah, I'll get a couple runs in. I'll be down twice, get a little loose, hit the ground a couple times, a couple catches. And he just said to me on the free kick was, don't cheat. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> and then he tapped my back and he said, here you go, enjoy it. He said the same thing. A couple other guys came up to me and I just, I locked in. And from there, when that goal went in against Jack was like, I was like, no way, man. No way did we just like lose that. Like that. Like a man down. My next mindset was like, yo, get Mary up. Because Mary was sitting on the ground. I was like, get, get Mary up. And, and um, one more chance was always thinking, one more chance. We got to get one chance. It always happens, no matter in any game when you're a man down. You're getting one chance. And we did. And Gareth dumped on the dude. <laughs> it was sick. Yeah, man. I got the chills thinking about it. It was so sick. And then PKs came around. And I've said it before. Like, everyone knows his data. Like, that every every team in the league has, uh, I think there's, like, an app that, like, everybody uses a, a database that all the clubs use just to make it easier so you don't got to go videotape games. We all just share film. And I watched the pre, I watched the uh, PKs in, in the hot tub before pregame, uh, like a nine-minute video, nine minutes, and I think it was 28 or 32 seconds, something like that. Maxie and I talked about it briefly before pregame, and then PKs come around, and Oka goes, yo, you want the sheet? And our crib manager, Ollie, has it. Um, and I'm like, nah, I don't want it. And Ollie's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I don't want it. And Oka goes, what are you going to do? And I was like, I got a good feeling about it. I don't want to think about it. And he goes, I like that. And boom, we did it. <laughs> it worked, man. Whatever, whatever that feeling was at the time. I, I think, you know, you you got a pretty trustworthy gut there. I like your gut feelings, man. They they seem to work. There, there I didn't want to overthink it. I didn't want to overthink it. I had like some ideas in my head. And I, I think sometimes overthinking it is worse. So like I had some, some, whoever stepped up, I just was going to try to remember what I remembered and go with it. There are a couple things we kind of wanted to ask you about in, in those PKs. So, uh, look, this is the second time in your career in which you've had to take PKs against your former team, right? So here you have the Union, your former team, and then previously I believe you faced the Rhinos when you were with the Union as well, too. Does that change yeah. the mentality at all when you're facing your former team and you know the guys that are out there? No, the Rochester one I actually knew, I think, two or three of the takers I knew. But the Union one, I didn't know any of the takers. I didn't know a single, like, Hogzog I never played with, Martinez I never played with, and Wagner I never played with. I played with Dre, obviously, Bedoya, like, Matt Freeze, Matt Real. There's a couple other guys on the roster I'm missing. Corey Burke that got subbed out, I played with him. Julian Carranza, um, he didn't shoot. But there's a couple guys that I did play with that didn't shoot. So there wasn't many, I guess, previous experiences with those guys, you know? So let's talk a little bit about your PK philosophy, right? There's a little bit of this gamesmanship, a little bit of the S-housery, as we want to call it. Being a person that's never played football, proper football my whole life, right? Explain to me, the casual fan, the ways in which gamesmanship are and how you will influence a PK setting to your advantage in that situation. So I got two feels about this. The gamesmanship that goes on in a game that people call gamesmanship, I absolutely hate. Like, I do. I hate it. Like, the diving, the rolling, the, like, stuff like that. I despise it. I hate it. Like, stuff like that. But, like, in PKs, I just try to do whatever I can to to save it. You know, I don't care what people are yelling or screaming at me. You know, it's got to get on the line. I got to make a walk to the line. I got to look at the dude, whatever I got to do. Or sometimes I think for two of them or maybe even all of them, I just stared at the ball. Like I didn't want to, because I also think that was like something like 
if he's looking at me, he doesn't know what I'm thinking if I'm not looking at him or he might be thinking, what the heck is he thinking? So that was my mindset. It's like, look at the ball, look at the ball, focus on the ball and save it. Find a way to just save one. And the first PK wasn't, if that's what you're talking about, gamesmanship, where the ref was like kind of yelling at me a little bit. He was like, he, he was just like super, it was still on his part. Um, we had to talk two minutes before of what you can and can't do. And he goes, hey, pulled me and Dre over. You need to be on the line when the kick is taken or above it, like hovering over it. So if you like jump and your feet are above it, you're good for VAR and whatever that's worth, you know? And uh, so Andre misunderstood it and goes, hey, so we can't be above it. I said, no, Dre, you can be above it. We're on it. But bef anytime before, you can be anywhere you want, behind it, in front of it. And the ref goes, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and we both went, okay, we're good. So we walked away, say, oh, shot happened. Then I go in. And as soon as he blows the whistle, I take a step back. And I'm like, maybe two, a foot and a half behind the line to get some momentum. You know, to get some momentum to jump and get a good push. I'm not just standing there. And uh, he, as soon as I take my step back, he like blows his whistle. And I say some things that I won't say on this podcast to the ref because he was wrong. And I, I snapped on him. And I was like, in the nicest way possible, like, dude, you're you're wrong. Like, you you literally just had this conversation that before the PK, I can be on the line. And like I said, I'm saving some words here, but I think you guys get the point. And then he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, I'll be on the I'll be on the line when it's taken, and just on the line. So I I just I wasn't trying to stall or anything. It just the ref really pissed me off in that moment because he literally talked to me 33 seconds before that. So I don't know what the heck he was doing. What did you think of the 3252 being quiet for the LAFC takers and then going crazy whenever Philly was up there? Did you even notice what was going on behind you? To a certain extent, I kind of noticed, but I was just like, I was worried about the first, I think the first PK I walked up and I grabbed the ball. And then after that, I was like focused on just the ball locked in. Like I was locked in. I walked back. I was kind of looking at like the bottom of the three, two, five, two. Like once you turn around, lock on the ball, locked on it. And then I did, I did hear a couple, sh like when the, we were shooting, when I was like kind of out of the 18, cause then I was like taking some deep breaths and just trying to just like compose, stay composed. Do you feel, you know, the ref making his mistake? And then kind of delaying Gazak a little bit. And then the 30 to 52, just going, like, if they turned the volume to 100, had an effect? Or do you think he was kind of in his own head because he couldn't really read you? So he changed his mind last minute and slipped. Or is that all yeah, kind of on the table? I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, like I said, we watched bits and pieces of the game back, my my wife and I, and we saw the PKs today. And she actually, Jackie actually goes like, look, he like resets his foot. Like he resets himself, actually. Like he started his run up, then he had to like come back a little bit. Maybe it affected his like his run up or his like steps or something. I think he just slipped. It, I, I think he actually just slipped on the turf, you know, and that's why I went up to him because that's awful. That's like such a sad moment to to have as like a player. So I just, I, I, was super excited and I cheered, but then I went up to him because he he had been a really good, huge part of the team this year. There's a rumor going around that you didn't know it was over when LAFC had won it and that Ilya Sanchez was the one to tell you that it was over. Is that true? Did, did you think you had to go out there and try and stop one more? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had not a clue. No clue at all. I literally, when I watched it, like seen it back, I think you can see me like First off, I didn't know who was jumping on me. I almost like hit Eli. Like my hands like went up like this, and I was like, I didn't know what like who it was because I was I was walking like this, like head down, like hand in the air, like yes, there's one more. Come on, like so. My mindset was like, I got, I'm I'm walking into the net, and I see this dude jump on me, and there was Eli. Looked up Eli, and I was like, did we do it? Or we, and I was at the, did we win? And I like peeked over, and I see the mob of like our team 
And I was like, we did it. Oh my gosh. And then it just like hit me because everyone was like surprised by how I celebrated it. And they asked me like, dude, we thought you would have been crazy. And I was like, I didn't know we won. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's crazy, man. It's still laughable. Walk us through the moment of being named the MLS Finals MVP, receiving that award. What was it like when they told you? What was it like to stand up there and have that trophy placed in your hand? Crazy. I I, I could have never pictured it. I could have never, like, never even thought about that. You know, I just thought about in the moment I was trying to find my family. I was trying to say hi to, like, three or four guys on the union and, like, give them a hug and stuff like that. Um, but one of the reporters was like, we need you and we need you for like the trophy. And I was like, no, look, what are you talking about? The trophy, that's Carlos's thing. And they were like, no, you got MVP of the MLS Cup final. And I was just like, like in my head, I just like froze for a second. Like I was like, whoa, like, what do you like? It's, it's crazy. That's surreal. It, that's like a moment that I'll never, ever forget. Like that's something. Yeah, just a, I'm thankful, man. I'm really thankful. That's crazy. I get yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Do you know how it is that they vote for who or like who, how the award goes like for the MVP? Like I, you know. Nope. Not a, not a clue, but I, I whoever voted for me, thank you. Hey, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know how it works. Um, so I have no idea. Yeah. We'll have to look, I, Jack, we'll have to, we'll have I, to look I, that up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. You gotta let me know. I have no idea. I thought Jack Elliott was going to get it. Yeah. It's crazy. He would have. If it weren't for you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, you know, yeah. celebrations ensued. You got your trophy. You, everyone saw you be emotional on the stage. And then the team was able to gather. And like you said, it was Carlos's trophy to lift. I know he gave it to you for the second lift and celebrations ensued. And it seems like they haven't stopped. And at least media appearances haven't stopped for you. You know, you've, you've had a chance to be all over the local news. You've been, you said you were on the radio earlier today with your Rochester team, and now you're on the podcast today, but you've had the chance to go around LA with other professional teams and engage in their 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 games or matches. Do you have a favorite so far? And do they, you know, are they jealous that you're champions and you're give them, giving them something to shoot for this upcoming year here in LA? I don't know if I have a favorite. It, like, like being at the Rams game yesterday was, was awesome and then trading jerseys with Higby and then, the night before was the Clippers game. Basketball was like my sport growing up. Like played my whole life. I got a basketball that sits out back and in my yard that I dribble. Like literally on my off days, I go and like shoot. It's like that was awesome. Going to a college football game at the Coliseum. I never been to the Coliseum. That was something cool. My wife and my son were there, like running out with like in front of the team with Ryan and Elay and sitting up in the box with like Maxi and then just going around to like stations and stuff like that is just. I think the whole week, just a dream tour, victory, like just to enjoy it with like people. And it's just been an awesome, awesome week. Yeah, an awesome week. Where does 2022 rank up with you? We've talked about your Supporter Shield, MLS Cup, MLS Cup MVP. And we're forgetting that you became a father this year. It's 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 a big deal. You know, a lot of a lot of momentous yeah. things in your career, but also in your personal life. Um, So how would you rank 2022 for yourself? I think it. I said it before, I, I truly think it's it might be the greatest year of my life. I got married right before the year started. Um, and I get the, a new opportunity to move out to the West Coast with my wife. Um, she's pregnant. We, we find a place. The team's rolling, like coming from Miami where things didn't go so hot to a team that at one point we were running the table, you know, like we were projected to who knows where we could have ended up. And then obviously... Seasons has ups and downs, and then 
we win supporter shield we win western conference and then oh christ i missed my kid was born two months ago yeah so my kid was born like literally two months before the final john joseph the fourth we call him jj and then he came out to the semifinal or semifinal or no, he came after the last game of the season against Nashville. So he's not on the hottest streak of win streaks right now for his first ever uh, LAFC game. I wanted my wife, Jackie, and, and my son to be there for to, to lift the trophy because I haven't lifted the trophy since high school. So that was something special to take pictures with them. And then we won the Western Conference. And then they weren't there for that because he's literally he was an inf- still an infant. <laughs> um, and then we made sure to have him at the final my family flew in for the final my parents my brother his girlfriend and then we won it like the craziest i don't think the craziest thing i think what carlos said is funny it was like a halloween scary movie for one second and then all of a second it was a hollywood movie that nobody could have wrote either way so I, I think it is the greatest and best year of my life well someday jj's gonna find out that his father is not only a champion but the mvp of the championship <laughs> and uh I'm sure that fills you with a lot of pride to know that someday he's going to find out when he's older exactly the role you played in in one of the greatest moments in one of the greatest games in MLS history. And I, I hope that fills you with the same pride that it fills all of us in the black and gold community. J-Mac, you've been, yeah. you've been super generous with your time tonight. We don't want to keep you all night. We do have one final question for you. It's the name of the show. It's something we ask every guest that comes on this show. And despite it being a fairly simple term here within the sport, it, it tends to redefine itself to so differently with every single person that we ask this question to. So please, Mr. MacDaddy, can you tell us what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, sir? Shoulder to shoulder means standing side by side with someone or a group of people that are your ride or dies, you know, people that you can count on and they have your back and they're, they're there with you through like thick or thin. That's where... I see shoulder to shoulder, you know, there's, there's very few people that I think are like can truly be shoulder to shoulder in a, in such like a, a community of the three, two, five, two, you know, I think there, there are a group of people that are shoulder to shoulder because they show up every game side by side and they're there to support us. So that's, that's how I see shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Just your rider dies and you're always there for him. Brilliant. We thank you so much for that. And we thank you so much for your time tonight. Folks, once again, our guest this evening has been none other than LAFC legend, John McCarthy, number 77 on the pitch and number one in your hearts. Please give him a follow at jmacdaddy77. Tag him in all your championship photos so he can keep reliving this brilliant moment all throughout the course of the offseason. And so that FO knows that uh, this man's going to have a statue one day and he's going to be with us for a long time. So let's get that contract extension and get him back here with us. <laughs> Thank you, sir, so much on behalf of Chris Christian, our sound engineer, Wilton, and myself for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the night. Thank you. Have a lovely night. Folks, with that, that's going to go ahead and bring episode number 142 to a close. We appreciate you all listening to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Please give us a follow at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. And with that, Take us home, sticks. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Fill the force up a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.